Please turn to Psalm 115. And if you'll stand with me, we'll read this together. Psalm 115. I know many of you are probably hoping that I end quickly. Many of you have ice cream after church or pizza. And maybe some of you have a foot rub waiting for you at home. So, you know what stands in between you and the foot rub, right? I do. Psalm 115, verse 3. Let's look at that together. It says, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. I'll read it again. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Go to Psalm 103. And this will be our two verses we will look at. Psalm 103. Let's look at verse 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. I'll read again. The Lord hath prepared his throne in heaven, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for your blessing tonight. As we look into your word, help me to uh, speak, speak clearly. Help me to only say uh, words that would reflect uh, your honor, reflect your glory. I pray that as we look into your word, Lord, we would be edified, but that the church would uh, um, continue to uh, produce uh, like-minded Christians. And Lord, help us as we go into the study to uh, know more and learn more about you. We pray. Father, for your blessing and the Holy Spirit's guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So for tonight's uh, message, we're going to do more of a topical study. We're going to look at several portions of Scripture tonight. And instead of me giving you my opinion of what a text may mean or however, uh, we're going to let the Scriptures speak directly to you. Uh, God uses his word to speak to the human heart, and we're going to look solely at the scriptures. Um, So this will be a surveying of the scriptures on our topic tonight. Um, Don't put that up yet, Joe. Um, And I want to put a disclaimer on this message. The topic that we will look at tonight, we will not be able to wrap our minds around this subject. You can put that up, Joe. This topic of the sovereignty of God, in our finitude, we are chasing after an infinite God. So we will never be able to comprehend this aspect of God and his nature. This message is more of theological in nature, meaning we are studying who God is and what he is, his nature. And I think it's very important that we study who God is. I think it's vitally important that you understand who your Lord is. Um, and what he does, how he acts, uh, in that way. In that way. So that's the disclaimer. I'm going to give you a bunch of truth. It's going to come from the scripture, and many questions may arise in your heart and your mind, and you say, well, well, what about this? What about that? We're not going to be able to understand it all. But we're going to go in, and we're going to let, this, let the biblical data speak for itself. Okay? Um, another disclaimer preference Um, I give credit to most of what's contained in my message to one of my professors. His name is Dr. Layton Talbert, who is the author of Not By Chance. As you can see, I titled mine, Was It God or Was It Chance? And um, 
this uh, professor is uh, very thorough in his scriptural knowledge, and he, he's very good at it. Um, so my prayer tonight is that this study will revolutionize your Christian life, that this study will revitalize your view and image of the Lord and how he works in your life, how he uh, controls, how he's in sovereign rule of everything in your life, and so that you understand that you serve an almighty God. You serve an immense, powerful, omniscient, omnipresent God who is actively in control of your life. So nothing, I'm not going to give it away, but I'm going to present three stories to you, and I want you to listen in, um, and I want you to make sense of these stories that I'll present. Three stories, I'll tell you when I divide into the next story. Uh, Jason and Dylan had much in common. Both were young and healthy. Both were married. They were dedicated Christians and skilled physicians. In fact, they were partners in a medical practice. But one day in May of 1996, Dylan went into full cardiac arrest in his own office. Within 30 minutes, his breath had departed. His spirit was recalled by God who gave it, and Dylan was standing in the presence of the Lord. Was this blind fate, or was there some failure on God's end? Was it God, or was it chance? Let's look at the next story. How many people do you know that are willing to leave the comforts of home and go to the mission field of Bangladesh? Tom and Michelle were willing to go. They were young, they were devoted, both uh, trained as nurses, and were ready to leave for Bangladesh in a matter of months. Almost all their support had been raised, but suddenly they were blindsided. Their third of four children, only three years old, was diagnosed with leukemia. That meant at least three years of excruciating chemotherapy with uncertain results. That meant no mission field and not for a long time, if ever. Three years later, six-year-old Matthew came off chemotherapy with very successful results. Now, are they going off to the mission field, you may ask? No. In the meantime, their newest son and fifth child, Ben, was diagnosed with a rare disease called tuberous sclerosis. The immediate effects of this disease are quite serious, and the human prognosis is not good. Was this bad karma? A random misfortune? Or was this God? Or was it chance? Last story. A young sailor was so notorious for his blasphemy and his wicked manner of life that even other sailors shunned his company, regarding him as something of a lightning rod of divine judgment, this individual, this sailor. On one occasion, in a drunken state, he was halfway over the ship's railing, about to jump in to retrieve his hat that had blown overboard when he was saved from certain drowning by one of his fellow drunken companions who pulled him in just, back, just in time. One voyage was seriously hit with a storm so severe that it threatened to destroy their crew at sea. The captain, convinced that they had Jonah on board, blamed all their calamities on this profane young seaman and felt certain that their only hope of survival lay in throwing the, this individual overboard. If the captain had moved forward with his plan, you would have never been blessed by singing the song Amazing Grace. This young reprobate's name is John Newton. Is this just a string of luck? Or is there someone in control? Was it God or was it chance? So how are we to explain these stories that are, in fact, none of them are made up. They are all true, actual events. The names are hidden so that they are not given to reveal who they are. But these are all actual events. So are we looking at God or are we looking at chance? 
Now let's look at the definition of the sovereignty of God. Put that up, Joe. Sovereignty of God, which is our topic and title for today. God, uh, the sovereignty of God refers to his undisputed authority and rule over every aspect of creation. The sovereignty of God refers to his undisputed authority and rule over every aspect of his creation. Note in the middle of the word sovereignty. What do you find there? Reign. His rule and reign. God's rule is over all nature, human existence, events, circumstances, and over all of his creation. So, instead of me trying to explain away theories of God, his providence over creation, uh, or giving you my opinion, uh, God's word is going to speak to your heart. And that's my prayer for tonight. So, let's jump right in. Genesis uh, chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. We're going to do a whole bunch of Bible turning, so be prepared. We're going to look at the providential, God's sovereign providential hand in all creation and what he does. So let's put up that first point. God can do anything. Genesis 18, God can do anything. God can do anything. So the background of the story, Sarah, God promised a child to Abraham. Sarah laughed. And God says, what's going on? I told you I would give you an heir. Let's look at verse 13 of Genesis 18. Verse 13, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Realize here that God is speaking to Abraham, who has been promised an heir from his loins. Yet Sarah laughed. God says, Is there anything too hard for me? I can do these things, and yet you doubt God is capable. God is omniscient. He is all-powerful enough to do the impossible. The impossible. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. Let me tell you tonight, there is nothing at all impossible for him. He can do anything. He can do all. He can come through you, or he can come through for you in any circumstance you're seeking to have victory or uh, uh, passage through. Let's continue to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 32. Jeremiah 32. This study can be so exhaustive and comprehensive that we could be here until 2 a.m. There is so much to go into. There is so much in the scripture we can elaborate on and just dig deeper into, but we are only scratching the surface when it comes to the sovereignty of God. Jeremiah 32, verse 36. Again, God can do anything with that frame of mind. Verse 36 of Jeremiah 32. And now, therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the city, whereof ye say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword, and by the, by the famine, and by the pestilence. As a matter of fact, I actually might be in the wrong verse. Let me just verify... I am in the wrong verse. I am in the wrong verse. Hmm. Okay, that verse won't go through. I think I'm in the wrong verse. 
the premise of the verse that I was going to give is that God is powerful and he can do anything that he wants to come to pass. There is absolutely nothing in God's power or nothing that God cannot do in his power, whatever the situation it is. Yes. Starting at verse 16. Now when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch the son of Neriah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Thank you, Mike. There is nothing too hard for thee, nothing too hard for the Lord. This is a reflection of God's nature. This is a reflection of the sovereignty, rule, and reign of God. And this is the God that we serve. There is nothing too hard for him. When you doubt that God cannot do something, you're doubting his nature, his, his character, and his, who he is, his nature. God can do. And whatever it is you're asking God to do, he can do it for you. Now, you may ask for, a demo, uh, for, for your boss to be demoted or to be fired. I'll know. That's all in God's providential, sovereign hand. He puts people in power and he casts people down. You see that in Nebuchadnezzar. God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to rise in power. He was king. Daniel submitted himself. But then God brought him down. God cast him down into that position of eating grass, growing talons. God can do that. God can do anything he desires. Which brings us to the next point. Understanding that God uh, can do anything, the sovereignty of God also says, I make everyone. I make everything. Exodus 4.11. Go there. Exodus 4.11. Again, this is a surveying of the sovereignty of God in Scripture by which many and much Scripture has been left out and omitted because we can only scratch the surface in this study. Exodus 4.11. Exodus 4.11. We will start at verse 10 for a small backdrop. Exodus 4, verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who may he get the, the dumb? Or deaf? Or the seeing? Or the blind? What are the next two words, church? Or next several words? Have not I the Lord? You mean to tell me that the Lord did this? Yes. The clear sense of Scripture is that God did that. God made that. The Lord made Moses and every defect that belonged to him. It's somewhat hard to believe that a loving God would make a person in such or such a way. We have no difficulty accepting that God is the one who graciously gives birth to healthy people. But the Lord goes a step further. God is not only the creator of the healthy people, but also of the handicapped. God claims providential responsibility. And yet you don't believe it. Well, let's go to John, and then you will believe it. John chapter 9. John chapter 9. Would a loving God really do such a thing? Hmm. Was it God or was it chance? John chapter 9. And it's hard to wrap our minds around that. 
a child being born with a defect. Now, there is sin in the world. There are things that do happen. There are things that come into our lives that, especially in the medical field, they want to push and they want to enforce and they want to say, you must do this. I'm not talking about that. That's part of our sin-cursed world. So that's not where I'm going. But looking at John chapter 9, let's see why this individual was born the way he was born. Verse 1, John 9. And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. This individual was born that way. But who allowed that to happen? Who ordained that to happen? Who had the providential hand in the parents' lives, in the child's life, to allow that to happen? Was it God or was it chance? I submit to you it was the Lord. By two references we have here, though there could be more, we see that God is over all, over creation, over existence. His parents didn't sin. This man didn't sin. And why and where in the origin of this man's disability, where did it come from? It came from God. We have to wrap our minds around that. Let's move on. Point number three. God rules all existence and circumstances. And I'll just park here for a little bit longer. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. Why is it important to study this topic? The sovereignty of God. The providence, providential hand of God. I think, number one, because we give too much credit to Satan. We give too much credit to him and say, my child was born this way. It must be Satan. This happened in my life. It must be Satan. These things have occurred in my life. These events, this infirmity, my legs, Satan did this. I'm sorry. But when you look at Job and you see how Satan presented himself to God, Satan can't be where God is in heaven, presenting himself with the sons of God, and also somewhere else, attacking another Christian or attacking someone. Remember, Satan is not omnipresent. Only the Lord is. Satan, I'm not sure how, run, how fast he runs or how quickly he goes to and fro in the earth, but we give Satan too much credit. We are not looking at the Lord, who is sovereign over all. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God with me. Note these words. It's not only important what the scripture says, but how God has chosen to say these words. Okay? Not only important what it says, but how God has chosen to say it through the, through the Spirit. I kill, and I make alive. I wound, and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. What does this mean? God kills, God makes alive, God heals, God wounds. We'll get closer to what we're going to talk about. First Samuel, turn there. First Samuel chapter 2. First Samuel chapter 2. I want you to see these verses, so I'll pause so that you can get there and arrive there. 
1 Samuel chapter 2. Verse Samuel 2, verse 6. The Lord killeth and maketh alive. He bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. What we have looked at in Deuteronomy and 1 Samuel coincide together. God is in control and providentially destroys and makes alive. God providentially makes poor and makes rich. God is sovereignly in control of your life. He is in control of your family. He is in control of your circumstances. He is in control of your job. He is in control of your church, your every aspect of your existence and world. God allows these things to happen, the good and the bad. But would God allow evil to happen in our lives is the question. So we understand God does allow good, but does God cause evil into our lives? Let's turn to Job chapter 2. Turn there. Job chapter 2. Would God allow evil in our lives? Job chapter 2, verse 10. Verse 10. But he said unto her, Job, speaking to his wife, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we, re- not, shall we not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. Job received evil in his life. Now, does that mean Job received moral evil sin in his life? No. God allows the good and the bad. And it's from his hand. But God never, ever initiates sin. God had never initiated, nor is he the originator of moral sin. James tells us, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. God does not tempt anyone with evil. But does God, God allow the evil in our lives? Another way that can be translated, does God allow the calamities in our lives? Does God allow the, the, the um, misfortunes to happen in our lives? He does. Let's look at something else that's not in my uh, message. Going back up to verse 1, let's read in the same chapter, verse 1. Question. Would God allow Satan to change God's mind? Some may say no, because how could God allow that? Well, let's look at what the scripture says. Let's look at what the biblical data says. And let God change our minds. Verse 1 of chapter 2 in Job. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From which comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Here's our key verse. And the Lord said unto Satan, Who's speaking? The Lord. Who's he speaking to? Satan. Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? And still he holdeth fast his integrity, although, who's the thou in there? Satan. 
move it. Who's the me? God is the me against him to destroy him without a cause. Is God saying, Satan, you've changed my mind. You've moved me to act upon Job. This is Satan changing the Lord's mind to act upon Job. But let me, let me tell you, who, I guess is the question, who allowed Satan, who, who, who allowed Satan to change the Lord's mind? It was the Lord himself. The Lord himself. See, it's not only important what the scripture says, but God, how God chose to say it. God is providentially sovereign over everything, over everyone. Our God is an amazing God. And he, you ever just wonder, in your personal life, you see God bringing you down a path. You don't know why you're going down this path, but you're going down this path. You don't want to go down this path. But at the end of the path, at the end of the circumstance or situation, you saw God all through it. How often does that happen? We're not wanting to go down. We're reluctant to go. We don't want to do it. But you can look back and say, God, I knew that was you there. I knew that was you carrying me along. You know why? Because he does. God does. The Hebrew here in verse 10 for evil denotes calamity or catastrophe or misfortune. We can view what Job said in this light. So if I were to reword, going back to verse 10, if I were to reword what Job says, here's what he's saying in reference to receiving good at the hand of God and evil. Quote, should we expect only good things from God all the time? Should we not also expect what we consider bad things from time to time? Did Job go through life without hardships? Let me ask you, did Jesus go through life without hardships? Did Paul go through life without hardships? Did Peter, who was crucified upside down, go through hardships in life? And we as Christians feel as though we are better than they? We are not. God will, will allow these things to happen in our lives. The bad, the good, the ugly. For what purpose? We will look at later. Didn't Christ tell us that we would go through tribulations in this earth? There is much more that can be spoken on this topic. There really can be. Last week we had an announcement that Morales is going. God wants Morales at another area, another location, another place. Many of us are sad. We don't want to see them go. We love them. We wish them here. But our plan is not what God has in store. God's plan for Morales is to go, to leave. Now, whatever it was that led to those decisions, whatever it was that broke the camel's back, whatever it, however God worked in Morales' life, and he said, it's time to go. Was it God or was it chance? Was it God or was it chance? I ask you that. I digress. Let's move on. Point number four. God does all that he pleases. Psalm 115. Turn there. There was so much more I could have said on the last point. So many individuals in our church that are dealing with an infirmity that have gone uh, from an infirmity and have been delivered by the Lord. If you have 
whatever the infirmity is, whatever the circumstance may be, whatever the past abuse may, you may have gone through, just remember this one thing. God is in control of your life. He is sovereignly guiding you. Even though you may feel like this is my decision, I'm doing that. The Lord is still in command. The Lord is still in control. The Lord knows who you are. Um, and it's amazing, too, to realize that. It's amazing to, to, to realize I don't go through this life alone. My Lord is with me. And God does all that he pleases. Psalm 115, verse 3. Let's look at that. But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Psalm 135. Turn there. Psalm 135. Psalm 135. Psalm 135, verse 6. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth, in the seas, and all deep places. These verses, this verse, they're all encompassing, with no room for exceptions. There are no obstacles that get in the way in what God desires. There is absolutely nothing that can frustrate his purpose to do whatever God pleases, whatever he pleases. God controls the clouds. God controls the lightning. God controls the wind, fire, hail, snow, clouds, stormy winds. All of these things fulfill his word and responds to his commands. Christ, as he told the disciples, get on the other side. Who calmed the storm? The Lord did. Why? Because he is sovereignly in control. From the miraculous to the mundane, God is in control. From the miraculous mountaintop experiences to the mundane, the Lord is in control. Let's move on to our last point. For this point, we will just look at the verses and come to a close to this study. Our last point, number five. God's rule is unrivaled and unquestionable. Ecclesiastes 7. Turn there. Time does not allow me to, to, to get into the aspect of how the Lord leads us along our way. There are so many individuals in this room can attest to how God provided, how God led, how God providentially gave to his children. I wish they can come up here and just give you stories. But time would not allow that. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 13. Speaking of unrivaled and unquestionable God, verse 13, Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he hath made crooked? In the day of prosperity be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider, God also hath set the one over against the other to the end that man should find nothing after him. Turn to Isaiah, chapter 14. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, verse 27. 
For the Lord of hosts hath purposed, and who shall disannul it? And his hand is stretched out, and who shall turn it back? Let's keep going. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. Let's look at verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girdeth thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do these things. I, the Lord, do these things. Skip over to the next chapter, same book, chapter 46, verse 9. Again, with the premise, God's rule is unrivaled and unquestionable. No one can answer Contest to the Lord. Verse 9 of chapter 46. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Now, with the total sum of these verses, everything that we've looked at, how can we doubt that our God is in control? in our lives. Again, from the miraculous things that happen in your life, in our church, in the world, to the mundane Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. God is in that as well. You, you, you have to believe it. No one can undo what God does. In reference to these verses that we just read, no one can alter the shapes of things and events that come to us from God no man can take life or give life without God's allowance. No one can contest with God or bring an argument against him. He creates peace and evil, darkness and light. He rules from above and beneath and in between. He is in control of the small insignificant atom to the largest mountain on earth to the galaxy millions of light years away. We serve an almighty God. That's who we serve. So, I'll propose to you three questions. Where does that leave us if God is not in control? So let's take God out of the picture for a moment. Let's think about the car accident you may have on the way home, which, God forbid, you'd encounter one. What are the three options? One, we can conclude that we are at the mercy of blind fate, unpredictable luck, or some other impersonable force. So fate... Blind fate, unpredictable luck. This just happened. This just happened. It was bad luck. Obviously, that's not an option. So let's go to number two. Number two, we can rule out chance and opt for God's control. We can do that. But we wish to deny that God exercises sovereign rule over the bad things that happen. So God is in control. That's right but this bad thing came into my life. God's not in control. God just left me hanging. God just left. God just deserted me. Is that 
the case. God is in control some of the times, but there are some things that take God by surprise. Is that how that works? So we can conclude off that same thought. Some things even take God by surprise. Or we can conclude that some things, even if God sees them coming, he is unable to avert them from coming. God can't do it. So, God is unable to help me. God is unable to allow this bad circumstance in my life. It just came out of nowhere. It came from bad luck. It came from unpredictable uh, circumstances, what, what have you. Last one, number three. If we rule out chance and God's control, we are left with the option that someone else is in control. And who knows it, who it could be? Who knows who can be in control? Of our, of our lives, of our circumstances. We don't know. So we're left guessing. As a matter of fact, we're left doubting the Lord. That's what it comes down to. Someone else is in control. You're not in control, Lord. Someone else is. So if I were to put my sermon in a nutshell, what I want you to get home, what I want to drive home to you, and what's the point of the entire sermon? Here's what I want you to go home with. God is sovereignly and providentially in control of every aspect of your life. You can fully place your life into his hands and be confident that he knows what is best for you. He is the cause of everything that comes your way and has already made provisions for you to be conformed into the image of Christ unto the last day when you're home with him in heaven. God is in control. God is in control. From the little things, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, or whatever your hours may be, to you having a child, to you getting that job, to you fill in the blank. Was that God or was that chance? Can you put that up there for me, Joey? Read that. Small, yes. What? The doctrine of the sovereign providence of God leaves no room for fate, blind or otherwise. God is not blind, neither is he capricious, or just happens randomly. For him, there are no accidents. If one molecule flies by wild chance, then God is not sovereign. If God is not sovereign, then God is not God. And chance simply cannot coexist with the sovereign rule of God. So, scratching the surface. This is just a scratch in the, uh, into the scriptures of the nature and character of God. That's why I took theology in seminary class, and it was intense. But it has sharpened and deepened who, who, my, my faith and my knowledge of the Lord. So before I ask you this last question, I'm going to give you an illustration. Mike would love this one. So, I have to lose weight for the, for the army, okay? All right. By the way, I took off my suit coat because it's too big on me. But I bought that suit coat. It was a two, uh, full suit uh, for a funeral, my first funeral. And it's too big for me. You want it? <laughs> um, so, I'm at work. I work with Mike. And... I need to lose the weight, yeah. We're working at his mother-in-law's house. And we were working on a pool, which needed tons of bags of cement. So 
there's about it's the, the cement, they drop it off at the very top of the house where there's like a small driveway area and the pool is all the way down. I couldn't tell you how many, maybe, I don't know, how, long, how far away you think from the house to the pool, Mike? 200 yards, okay. So me and another guy from uh, uh, Harbor Light, uh, I think Drew or Dale Schwartz was helping me. And Mike's like, all right, Eric and I think Carson or Eric and Mike and Carson, we're all working at the pool. They have to uh, create the concrete, create the, the, the um, step it, steps for the pool. And I'm in charge, and, and, me and me and Drew are in charge of taking these bags of concrete all the way down to the pool, 200 yards. But it's a hill, so it's a hill. So these bags of concrete are 80 pounds, 80 pounds. So you're not just, you're not just picking them up like you're picking up a water bottle. No. If you're not picking these, these bad boys up with proper posture, proper, you know, without rounding your back so you hurt yourself, you have to pick these bad boys up and bring them down there. And they're heavy. And you can only do two at a time on a wheelbarrow. So I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. And this is in the summer. This is in the heat. This is in the hot. And I'm sweaty. I'm like, I'm going to stop working for Mike tomorrow. Forget this. <laughs> but we did it. And I want you to realize that little short story. God is using that boss that I have, that wheelbarrow, those 80-pound bags, that sweat in the hump, uh, summer heat to lose the weight gradually, Gradually and gradually. It may sound funny, but the best thing that has happened to my weight loss is working for that guy right there. <laughs> Why did I say that? Because God is in control. God is sovereignly powerful, and he knows exactly what I need, and he knows exactly what you need. So here's the last question for tonight. Was it God or was it chance? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing, the reading of your word. I pray that you would impress the truth on our hearts, help us to go away, realizing that you are in control. There's no doubt about it. You do what you please. You've made everyone. You can do anything. Your power, your sovereign might is unquestionable, unrivaled. Lord, help us to ingrain our trust and faith in you, realizing that the good and the bad are from your hand, that you desire our conformity, our transformity to the image of Christ. Help us to do so. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.